Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. The show is on Premier Christian Radio, of course, and various podcast platforms. So great to have your company, however you're listening. For most Christians in the UK, the church calendar includes Christmas, Easter and Pentecost. I, I once knew a prominent Christian who refused to celebrate Christmas because he believed it had pagan roots and was unhelpful, but he would be an exception. But there are, of course, other elements of the typical church calendar which are less popular across the denominations and church streams, and Lent is one of those. Nonconformists have typically seen Lent as, in quotes, Catholic or, quotes, Anglican, and not in the Bible. And so many can take it or leave it, and most leave it. They are probably oblivious to the fact that Lent begins on Wednesday, February 17th. Well, I'm joined this week by a nonconformist who is not only engaging in Lent, but is providing material for Premier listeners to join him. His name is Hugo Anson. He's the co-founding director of Grassroots, who regular listeners may recall being on the show before to chat about various things, including the work of his charity, which has connections in various parts of the world, as well as the UK. So Hugo, welcome back. Hello. Well, great to have you with us. Let's look first at how you and nonconformists are heading up one of Premier's strands looking at Lent. Uh, your background is as an evangelist and you've co-authored uh, Disciple Factory with me. <laughs> so how did you get interested in Lent, of all things? Well, I can't say that I always was interested in Lent, but uh, last year there was this book by Ruth Valerio, which was the Archbishop's Book for Lent, and it was all about green issues and various other things. And a number of churches, including Baptist churches and other churches that wouldn't see themselves as Anglican or Catholic, and therefore might even describe themselves as nonconformist, uh, said, could you come on a Sunday and speak on one of the subjects in this book? So I then read the book, because you feel you should if you're going to do that. Uh, and actually, it was really fantastic. And I found that the process of using a particular period of time to think about a series of subjects was really good. And she even mentioned in the mid middle of it that one of the major green issues was around this creature called the pangolin, which I thought was almost prophetic once we had all the issues around the pandemic and the possibility that it might have started in the pangolin. And so the, the, I, I found it quite interesting. And uh, it's not that Lent didn't happen on other years, but it was all about giving up stuff, rather like the secular world kind of goes, why don't we use Lent for giving up stuff? Uh, but it did mean that I then studied where Lent fitted into the Bible, where uh, and why Christians could benefit from taking 40 days to pray and fast, which is in the Bible, and we could take, uh, you know, benefit from doing it together with others and having a season when we did it with others and having it as part of the church calendar. And I, I spent quite a lot of time thinking about that. I must ask you about the pangolin, because <laughs> you mentioned uh, for those ignorant, just a brief description of the pangolin. The pangolin looks like a kind of mini anteater and it kind of floats around where bats are in China. And it was in this, uh, in this marketplace alive and then could be killed and given to people to eat in China in Wuhan. And therefore there is some debate, quite a lot of debates, as you know, because the WHO are in China at the moment, trying to find out the source of the pandemic as to whether it actually, the, the, you know, the virus jumped from a bat into the pangolin and then from the pangolin into human beings and therefore the rest of us. Hey. Oh, brilliant. Well, uh, 
Um, when it comes to Lent, um, I mean, it's, it's important to understand the gospel before you can practice Lent. Otherwise, of course, uh, work-based salvation or legalism is, is lurking. Would that be accurate? You must have been reading my first uh, worksheet for the premier Lent series called Lent for Beginners, because I'm that's what I'm, I'm hosting this course, which is eight, eight videos, 15 minute videos. And it, it really is the kind of cheap and cheerful version of Lent for those of us who aren't so much into the kind of high fleeting denominational versions of it. I'm not, ter I'm not terribly into Gothic buildings. I kind of think that Jesus wouldn't be at this point. He might have been in Gothic days, but not now. Uh, and therefore, when I wrote this thing, I, part of what I was concerned about was that people should see it from a biblical perspective. And in the middle of it, I even wrote on Pancake Day, which is my first session, I wrote, there is nothing exactly like Lent in the Bible. However, when Jesus uh, casts out uh, a spirit from the young man, having come down from the transfiguration, he's, and everybody around him says, why couldn't we do it? He says, if you'd taken some time in prayer and fasting, you might have been able to do this. So it's quite clear in that context that prayer and fasting could clarify your spirit and clarify your relationship with God in such a way that you'd be more useful in praying for people or liberating people or helping people spiritually in this life. But the Bible is also clear that we cannot earn God's love or forgiveness by being more diligent in prayer and fasting. As it says in Ephesians 2, it's all by grace and we appropriate the grace by faith. Uh, but that isn't a work. That isn't an act of prayer and fasting. Faith is, you know, it's accepting what God has already done in Christ. Wonderful. Uh, just worth making those wonderful points, I think. Thank you. Um, you served as a pastor for some years in North London. Uh, did you do anything at Lent, about Lent in those days? Now, I have to tell you, I, when, when I saw this as a question you might ask me, I thought, no, we didn't. No, 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 we didn't at all. No. Uh, well, we did fine. a I'm few not, times. I'm trying to catch you out. <laughs> no, no. Was, uh, the, the thing that we did do is that we worked with other churches. So every now and then you'd sit down with a pastor who was wearing a whole complete black gown and, a, you know, a whole dog collar and all this stuff none of which i have much time for partly because i don't believe i believe in the priesthood of all believers which means i don't believe in the laity and i believe that all of us should be normal and walk with god and any of us who try and claim to be something beyond that in that moment we're pushing everybody down and that's what's wrong with priesthood generally and so at a very simple level i want to sit there and sit with them but in order to sit with people you have to get what they're into and they said oh we really need to use lent this year so i'd go yes exactly how would you like to do that so we would we would do the the walk on good friday which is part of lent uh you know the walk of witness through the middle of town we would sometimes get involved in joint events doing the last supper together uh, or even a kind of passover celebration together we would sometimes get involved in a march for jesus which is the kind of nonformist spin on palm sunday in order to put the two bits together uh, but you know normally what we would find in the congregation is there'd be people saying things like, you know, what are you doing up for Lent or what are you taking up for Lent or could we have some more prayer meetings for Lent? And someone might say, oh, I'm reading this book or I'm doing this stuff online during this time. And the truth is that when as a congregation we did it all together, it had a great deal more effect on us as a congregation. But when uh, individuals did it, it did great stuff as well. So in some ways, I, I didn't mind if people picked and choosed 
Is that um, is there? A, can you say picture juice? Um, but, <laughs> but at the same time, there were there were things that we tried to say to the whole congregation. Why don't we do this together? And we didn't want to do too many of those. And we really went for it. Quite often, we really went for it in the week before Easter, Holy Week, as the church calendar calls it. And we'd have a baptism service on good for, uh, on um, the last you know on Monday Thursday which is the Thursday before Easter we have a baptism service on that evening we'd have a wonderful communion we'd have a baptism and uh, we'd all eat together and that was that was fantastic but it was because we decided that is the thing we're going to do this year and often we'd have an amazing service on Easter day and loads of people would come to church on Easter day that wouldn't come to church on other days come and worship with us because it was Easter day and therefore it was a great opportunity. Um, and any thoughts for, for pastors or, I guess, clergy vicars who might, um, you know, they're coming up to Lent again, maybe wondering what, to, what, what different to do? Have you got any kind of refreshing ideas? Well, I, I think what you should do is really enjoy Pancake Day because, of course, that's the one day you don't have to give up anything and you can use up everything. So that's got to be a cool thing to do. And I discovered while researching Lent that there is a tradition in England called Shrove Poetry, where children used to get together and write poems about God and then uh, or read poems about God or learn poems about God. And then they would go door to door like carol singing. And when they went door to door carol singing, you could even do it socially distanced in some way, maybe using kind of Zoom version of door to door. And they would have to recite the poetry. And if they recited the poetry, they got rewarded with sweets and cakes. Uh, and that all happened on Shrove Tuesday, which is the day where you're allowed to be happy. By the time you get to Ash Wednesday, you have to be miserable again, don't you, to repent of everything. Oh, that sounds fabulous. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Excellent. And, um, I mean, Ash, Ash Wednesday as well. I mean, Ash Wednesday is a fantastic experience. One of the interesting things is the first time the church did, you know, the Catholic church, it was about the 11th century. They decided that they would do this ashing thing, which uh, is a fascinating process where they took palm crosses uh, from the previous year. They burnt the palm crosses. Now, I'm not quite very keen on burning crosses, but hey, um, uh, they burnt the palm crosses, made ashes. And then in their service, they would have a service of communion and then everybody came up again after communion and they took the ashes, having put them with olive oil and put a sign of the cross on everybody's head. And it was a completely Catholic thing that nobody else did this until about the 1970s in America, when suddenly some Pentecostals and house churches went, hey, you know, you know, the kind of intertouchy feely. Many of us as Christians now really enjoy a good symbol. And so a number of churches right across uh, the States started going, well, that this is a really great thing to do. Why can't we take some ashes and put them on the heads of people in the sign of a cross after a communion service at the beginning of Lent as a kind of preparation towards Easter? And the great thing is that anybody who'd been at the service went out and they weren't allowed to wash it off. So people would walk up and say, what's wrong with your head? You've got dirt on your head. And they'd have to explain. That's fantastic evangelism, you see. Sounds, sounds wonderful, yeah. <laughs> Lent's got some good things, you know? Absolutely. Good. Well, you're listening to Leadership Farm with me, Andy Peck, and I'm joined this week by uh, Hugo Anson. Uh, Hugo is the co-director, uh, co-founding director of Grassroots, and uh, he's also the author of uh, a series of materials that uh, Premier are providing uh, on the whole area of Lent. And we'll be back just after this.
You're listening to the Leadership Farm with me, Andy Peck. Welcome back. The second part of our show is we're chatting with Hugo Anson, the uh, co-founding director of Grassroots. He was talking before the break about the Lent resource that he's been putting together in conjunction with Premier Radio. Uh, so, uh, Hugo, where can we find these resources? Well, it's all part of Premier Digital. So that's premierdigital.info slash Lent. And then you get in there, you put in your email address, and then it's totally free. It gives you access to a Dropbox folder, which has eight uh, videos, which are each 15 minutes long, and eight downloadable PDFs. And they can be used as groups, uh, you know, as a group, even an online group in Zoom, or you could use them uh, and uh, by yourself, by exploring a bit deeper yourself. I think that they're, they're all quite nicely laid out. There are a couple of other streams as well. So the one that I'm running is called Lent for Beginners. Fabulous. Um, so, um, talking more widely, Hugo, we've, we've chatted about the Lent resources, but uh, we mentioned your founder of uh, co-founder of the charity Grassroots, um, which has uh, a number of um, dimensions to it across the world. And of course, it's been a, a 12 months like no other in terms of not being able to travel and see folks. So how have you functioned as a charity during this period? Well, we always we started grassroots. We, at the time, we were people who went out and preached and, and taught uh, the Bible in various different places. And we started it all on the basis of relationship with churches who were doing fantastic things already. And the first one was in Tanzania. My wife had a dream, uh, woke up one morning, and in the dream, she had a very clear vision that she was going to receive a letter uh, from somewhere around the world. She told me about it, and as like a dutiful husband, I said, well, when it arrives, we'll know you're a prophet here. And it then arrived, and I was duly put in my place. And she went off, and within the first year, we began to realize that there was a major education issue over there and nutrition for loads and loads of children. So we said to the church, can you select 25 children, and we will pay for their education and try and make sure their nutrition is good with a meal a week. And we worked it out that it was going to cost us 42 pounds per child to get them into education, give them a school uniform and feed them. And so we came back to the church in England, not as professional NGO people, but simply stand up and say, here are 25 children that we're supporting. Anybody want to stand with us in this? And by the end of one service, we'd started by mistake a charity, uh, which was a child sponsorship charity. Today, that was 1996. Uh, today, uh, we're supporting over 3,000 children in Tanzania, in Kenya, in Romania, in India, in Laos, um, and you can find that all on grassroots.org.uk. Now, you, you ask the question, what happens when there's a pandemic? Well, our way of doing charity and doing this child sponsorship program was that, that we're a kind of medium-sized charity. We're not peer fund, but we're not tiny. And we're quite professional, but we still have personal relationships with everybody. So we were traveling out to every one of these places, visiting, meeting every single child ourselves, not necessarily Sharon and I, but people from the UK and people part of grassroots. And, and we would interview them and photograph the children and bring the, the stuff back and then hand it out to the sponsors in England. Obviously, we can't do any of that. So it's been a fascinating year where all the local teams, because all the projects are run by people in their own country. The Tanzanian uh, charity is called Grassroots of Tanzania Trust Fund, but all the trustees are Tanzanian, all the staff are Tanzanian. So they have just you know, stepped up and carried on doing their work, but they've had to upskill in terms of digital because they had to take the photographs themselves, they had to organize all the interviews themselves and then send, well, they sent us 
every child we needed at least 10 really good photographs and they've sent all of those to us by Dropbox uh, using a 4G telephone as their upload uh, which um, and that's all been in the last six weeks so they have done a fantastic job the same is going on in India right now and so the upside is that more and more the power is with the folks who are local and who know what they're doing and they're good people uh, one of the things which the, the Lord seemed to say to us right from the beginning is you don't need the cleverest people you don't need the people who are uh, you know have the degree in development and some all of that clever development stuff sometimes doesn't work out very well but what you do need is good people who will work hard and serve people and at the end of the day love the people they're serving and if you have that kind of person they one they won't you know there, there won't be corruption because that isn't the point the point is to serve people and uh, so we're, we're thrilled by the fact that things are going on exactly as they were before we'd love you to join in if you can one of our basic things is that the in the uk we spend as little as possible no offices just a website everybody working from home i know that's trendy now but it wasn't trendy when we started doing it and um, that means that we take zero percent of the sponsorship for anything apart from giving to the child the child gets a hundred percent of the resources that uh, someone gives so love you to join in if you can that sounds terrific um hugo you've you've led a church with uh, with your wife uh, sharon and you now co-lead this uh, charity what do we what have you learned about leading and leadership uh along the way and not least of course because there's a lot of different concepts and ideas about leadership in the christian world that are around jesus did say don't have any leader among you because i'm your leader and don't have any teacher among you because i'm your teacher uh, and obviously there are other texts in the scripture about you know stepping up and taking responsibility for god's work that you know we can talk about apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers and all that kind of thing but i mean i would i would simply i would simply say this that the person who's prepared to step up and do the work uh, without worrying about being taken for granted uh, sometimes the practical solution you know this lent course says that one of the sessions i'm doing is all about jesus washing people's feet you know they all argued about who was the greatest and who was the leader and who was not the leader so much so that when they got there none of them were prepared to wash each other's feet so they're all sitting around the table they've even started the meal it says and clearly having started the meal everybody knew there was a smell in the room because their feet were dirty and it was at that point it says that jesus went right in this context someone has to do what is necessary in order to get this set of feet in my face washed so he stands up and puts a towel on and when i when sharon and i were involved in leading church we we didn't ever take a title we were always just hugo and sharon um when you turn up in africa you become pastor and then bishop and then archbishop and archdeacon and everything but it's all as far as i'm concerned that's all a load of rubbish all that matters is doing what god has called you to do serving people opening up the word of god sharing jesus with people titles and all that stuff is of the world as temporal and it's going out the doors so start getting used to it because heaven's where we're going it sounds like there's some dangers therefore in in titles and positions and sometimes qualifications perhaps that might undermine what you're trying to do as quotes leaders well you know the one thing I've discovered when I've had younger people working with us who needed to begin to have confidence to be in leadership, 
was if you gave them a title and a role, it gave them a little, it was like sticking a stick next to a, a sapling tree. It gave them some confidence that they had that role. If you make them the youth worker, they have to do the job of being a youth worker and people have to treat them in that way. So in immaturity, let's do titles and let's do job descriptions. But in maturity, let's serve God out of who we are and serve the people out of who we are rather than the job titles. So let's grow up. Okay, some of us can't grow up. Feel free. Okay. Um, so, I mean, you, you obviously have a, a slightly different, maybe to some, uh, different view on leadership. Uh, has this been drawn particularly, I mean, from your reading of scripture? Have there been other thinkers that have helped you to draw your particular approach to things? Um, there's a really good teacher, chap called Paul Stanley, who used to be with the Navigators, and he wrote a book called Mentoring, or Connecting, he called it, it was about mentoring. And he said, there are always times as human beings where we need to take responsibility for somebody else to, to help them in different ways in order to see God's kingdom grow, in order to see them step, step up. So some people need a coach who teaches, you know, teach them the next thing to do. Um, quite often a coach can't do it themselves. You know, the people who run the 100 meters, the person who coaches them often can't run the 100 meters as fast as them, but they, they can give them what they need. They can take the, you know, can do the statistics around them. Other people need uh, somebody who will stand with them and open doors for them. Uh, at one point, the AT&T directors, they all looked into the, they did a kind of research thing on how they got to be the directors. And all of them, bar one, had had a particular chap who was their uh, regional manager when they were very junior. And that chap was still the regional manager now, even though all these other guys were at the top, but he was terribly good at picking winners and suggesting to everybody else they were, it's a different type of mentoring. Sometimes we, we kind of make the whole job of leadership, this business of being in charge of a big organization, finding a good system to give everybody a number to control everybody, to get money out of everybody, to build buildings and leave a legacy. That's world. Our job is to serve God's purpose in people in this generation, and we then go to heaven and cheer them on. So what's the key and what's the, uh, the missing piece, perhaps, for many who, in, in leading a church or leading an organisation like you are, uh, people look to them as quotes the leader rather than to Jesus because that's the reality they're the physical person um, and it can be very tough to deflect that to back to Jesus without looking a bit of a bit of a wally frankly so what, what would, what's the key what's the clue to having the right mindset well every situation is different isn't it I mean there's a there's a friend of mine who started as a pastor who's involved in the East African revival in Kenya and then uh, as an evangelist, he drove the, the minibus for the evangelism team. They started a church. It, that church has now become multiple churches right across Sudan and the whole way across Kenya. It's one of the biggest denominations in the world. Um, he was a pastor of a church with 7,000 people in it. And then the denomination came along to him and said, we need to make you a bishop. And he said, well, I don't want it. And then he argued with everybody and everybody just said, you're being proud. It would help us as the organization if you take on this role as a bishop so when i went out for dinner with him about that time he said will you forgive me and i think that's a really good description of the problem 
Um, it's, it's, it's a human thing to need these titles and to look to human leadership, but we are human, so that's okay. One of the one person I know I, I've known for many years, who's a, a mother and then a grandmother. One of the things she would say regularly is, "I think you lot are taking me for granted." You know, it, when I, when we were leading a church in, um, you know, we were leading because we took the responsibility to make something. We planted a church. We gathered other people, but we never said we want to be the leader. We never claimed to be the pastor. We never we never would never have called ourselves the senior pastor. Oh. For goodness sake. Um, but, but, but we believe in the priesthood of all believers. There's no laity. Anybody who believes in the laity is anti-scripture, right? Everybody is a priest. Everybody is called by God. The moment you become a Christian, you're called by God to serve the other people. Even before you become a Christian, you're called by God. But after you become a Christian, you are called by God to serve between God and the rest of the human race and to bring what you know of God to other people. And so in that context, everybody in immaturity would say oh are you the leaders and we would say no we're not the leaders we have to have structures to make decisions and things like that but we are not the leaders we're just people like your you are and we are together going to try and work together organize together to make things happen we're going to make decisions about how long the children's work goes on and therefore how long the preacher can preach we're going to make decisions about what's how we use the money but we're going to try and do it following jesus and doing what it says in scripture and, and there were times when we would get there first, so we would put the chairs out and we would, you know, put the coffee on and people would come and say, this isn't your job. You're more important than that. And you say, well, actually, there's no such thing as more important than that. If, if it means that I take it away from somebody who will make them and it will make them feel better and give them a greater sense of belonging, then I won't do it. But if actually it just needs doing, do it. And don't expect to get any gratitude for that because that's what we're meant to do. After all, Jesus said, you won't, you'll get, if you get the gratitude, that's your reward here. You don't get it later. So nobody thank me, please. <laughs> Let's get the gratitude in heaven. Okay. Well, Hugo, we've come to the end of our time. It's fascinating to chat with you. And I think uh, uh, there'll be lots of folk listening who, um, you know, who, who would be challenged in their, maybe their attitude and outlook on leadership. And you've uh, done us a service in, exploring that so well and also in the earlier part of the show talking to us about lent as we come up to that season of uh, time uh, in the church calendar so thanks so much for all you shared today it's been a pleasure lovely to chat with you andy let's do it again <laughs> indeed so you've been listening to the leadership file with me andy peck and this was uh, hugo anderson co-founding director of grassroots uh, if you go to the online uh, page i'll send it i'll make sure there's a link to the uh, premier digital uh, site where uh, you can find the Lent resources that Hugo has been chatting about. I look forward to your company again next Sunday at four. Thanks for tuning in.